Um, one of the things I love about about the word and above the Lord is just, you know, for me personally, I'm always telling the Lord how how great he is, how big he is. Just my personal time and, and fellowshipping with the Lord. <clears throat> I'm always being reminded about how good he is. Amen. And so this is just out of Psalms. Of course, the book of Psalms has got uh, many uh, great Psalms that tell about the Lord and his greatness and goodness. Uh, this one is in Psalm 80, 86, verse 15. It says, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. And, you know, what I encourage you to do is, is to uh, quote verses like that to the Lord, right? Lord, you are great. Um, you are full of compassion. You are gracious. You are long-suffering. You are plenteous in mercy and truth. And then I'll read that same verse sometimes in different translations. And one says, but you, O God, are both tender and kind, not easily angered, immense in love, and you never, never quit. Uh, but you, Lord, your nurturing love is tender and gentle. You are slow to get angry, yet so swift to show your faithful love. You are full of abiding grace and truth. And then the last translation here says, But Lord, you are a God who shows mercy and, and is kind. You do not become angry quickly, and you, you have great love and faithfulness. So does the Lord have great love and faithfulness? He does. Amen. So, you know, I, I encourage you as part of uh, part of your just fellowshipping with the Lord. Tell him how big he is. Tell him how good he is. He already knows that, but it's good for you to build up your faith because sometimes we kind of get our minds slanted that, you know, the Lord is harsh and, he, and he's, you know, unkind. And you know, there's a lot of people in a church who just think God is just mad all the time. You know, well, he's not mad all the time because it says that uh, uh, that he's full of compassion. If he's full of compassion, there's not much room for anything else, is there? Amen. Uh, so full means full, doesn't it? Amen. So is the Lord full of compassion and gracious? Uh, is he long-suffering and plenteous of mercy and truth? He is. Amen. Uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Father, that name that's been assigned to the church to execute the will of God in the earth. Father, the name of Jesus holds authority over all creation. Father, you've given that name to your church. So, Father, we carry the name with grace, Father, and with all power and all authority. You said all authority has been given to you, Father. That authority resides in your name. So, Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. Father, we can speak the name of our individual lives, Father, to break every chain and every stronghold. Father, we can speak the name of Jesus over our loved ones. Father, to break every chain and every stronghold. Father, the name of Jesus is greater. It's greater, Father, than our past. It's greater than our future. It's greater, Father, than all the enemies of mankind. Father, it's greater than sickness and greater than disease. It's greater, Father. There's nothing that can stand in the presence of the name of Jesus. Father, no enemy, Father, can stand in the presence of the name of Jesus. So, Father, we speak the name. It's the name of Jesus. There is no other name, Father. There's no other God, Father, that has a name that's greater than the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Thank you for doing the work, Father, that allowed you to have a name that was greater than every other name. Thank you for coming to the earth and living and dying, Father, and obtaining a name, Father, that you can then hand to your church and give to the use of your church, Father, to execute your will in the earth. 
to, Father. We go forth into the world, into the land of the enemy sometimes, Father. Father, you even said, in the valley of the shadow of death, Father, we will fear no evil. And Father, that was Old Testament. We can surely walk through the valley of the shadow of death in the New Testament, Father, with the name of Jesus and fear nothing, Father. There's nothing we fear, Father. There's no enemy, Father, that we fear. There's no sickness and disease that we fear. There's no turmoil and political unrest, Father, that we fear. We serve a great and a mighty God who has a great and a mighty name, Father. And that name, Father, is Jesus. That name, Father, is Jesus. We serve the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the greatness of that name, for the power in that name. Father, we thank you. We can live victorious all the days of our lives. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he's got to be pretty good with a name like Jesus, right? And so we appreciate the name of Jesus. You know, I, I like that song because, you know, a lot of times in the church we'll get kind of, um, I don't know, it's not weird doctrine, but just, you know, we, we need to have accurate doctrine. Amen? I'm kind of picky about having accurate doctrine. And, you know, in the church, uh, when the Lord Jesus uh, gave us his name, then that name is above every name, right? So, you know, did he give us this, this Bible and a leather cover to, to execute authority in the earth? Um, you know, this, this is just printed paper, right? And it's a little bit of a dead cow. There, there's no inherent authority in this printed document. It's just a document, right? The, the, our authority resides in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, did he give us a little crucifix that we can put on a chain to execute authority in the earth? You know, it, I mean, it works with vampires, but, you know, you're not going to run into any vampires in your life, are you, right? It's just on TV, right? Uh, who was the guy? Uh, there was some old guy who used to play uh, a lot of scary movies, right? I, I forgot what his name. Boris Karloff, is that his name? Right, Boris Karloff, right? I might work with Boris Karloff. Anybody know Boris Karloff? Oh, come on, you know, you all watch black and white movies, you know, you never watch any black and white movies. Uh, but uh, anyway, you know, it might work with Boris, but it doesn't work in the real world, right? Bella Lugosi, that was the other guy I was thinking, right? Yeah, Bella Lugosi, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it might work with those guys, but uh, uh, no, our authority is be given to us through the name of Jesus, amen? We shouldn't substitute it for something else, amen? And it's oftentimes we substitute with a tradition or our, our thoughts or ideas. And, and, you know, sometimes people say, well, I did it and it worked. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes the Lord will just give you, you know, a, um, a freebie, you know, yeah. just uh, have mercy on, on our ignorance. Amen. Uh, but I can guarantee you long term it won't work because it, it doesn't work that way. Right. Sometimes you can use a, the wrong tool for the right thing and, and uh, the Lord will have mercy on you. Uh, but, you know, the second time around, it might not work as well. Amen. Amen. Uh, because we're expected to grow and increase. Amen. Yes. Uh, and, and so praise God. Well, we have been uh, talking about. Uh, knowing the will of God, how do you know the will of God um, in our lives, right? Uh, and, of course, the first question that you've got to answer is, can you know the will of God? Do you have a right as a child of God to know the will of God? Uh, and if you ask, uh, you know, you just ask 100 Christians, you know, can you know the will of God? And you'll probably get about 99 different answers, right? Uh, and uh, I always like to go to the Word and see what the Word says, right? So let's open our Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 1. That's kind of our foundation scripture there. And um, uh, I didn't say 
uh, that uh, everything you've ever done is always the will of God. Because uh, some people believe that because they're Christians that everything they do by default is the will of God. You know, that's that's pretty amazing statement, right? I mean, I don't know how where they came up with that, but uh, uh, that makes it convenient because then you're never wrong. Right. Uh, and so uh, but Paul said here in Colossians 1, 9, this is for this cause. We also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So can we be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Amen. Well, sure, we can. So if we can be filled with the knowledge of his will, uh, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, then we can obtain that by faith. Amen. Is God going to just fill you just because uh, you breathe air with the knowledge of his will? No. Uh, uh, most of the things in the scriptures, when there's a promise like this, you have to obtain that promise by faith, which just means you have to to say that this uh, this verse, I mean, the, the way that I pray this verse is I'll go to the Lord and I say, Lord, you said in your word that you would fill me with the real knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so I've got this situation. I don't know what to do. There's uh, I mean, we've got several options. They all look fine, right? I mean, some of them just, you know, you may have option one, which is complete and total sin, and option two, which is not. Well, that's kind of an easy choice, right? But you've got option one, which is fine, and option two, which is you know, fine also. Well, which one do you pick? Amen. Well, which one's got the most money involved, right? You know, is that how you pick? No, no that's not how you pick, right? Uh, which one's going to be the best for you, right? I mean, sometimes that's not what you pick. Sometimes you pick what's best for somebody else, amen? So how do you know? Now, some people, they'll always pick the worst, right? Well, it's just, you know, I'm a martyr. I've, it's always got to be terrible with me, right? Uh, I, I can go buy two cars. One's a good car. One's a, uh, one's a, a junker car. I've got to have the junker car because I'm a martyr, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, that just is wrong also, amen? Uh, you, don't, you don't pick something based on whatever philosophy that you've uh, arrived at in your own life. You, you should pick things according to the will of God. You can be filled with the knowledge of his will. Uh, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? Uh, you know, in, even in the church, you know, a lot of times uh, 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 you ever notice that Christians sometimes make mistakes and do things wrong. You know, I know that may be news to some people, but that happens in the real world. Right. Christians actually make mistakes, do things wrong sometimes in the church. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I'll have somebody come to me in the church. Hey, you know, I found out so and so is doing so and so. Right. Like, is that your job? Is that a job description to, to run around and tell the pastor all the things wrong people do in their life? And I mean, I don't know, but. Uh, but, you know, sometimes they're, they're real and, and you, know, you know, grave concern, you know. Uh, and um, but, you know, the first thing I always do is I always go to Lord. Lord, what do you want to do? You know, most of the time they come to me because they want heads to roll. Well, you need to shoot them in the kneecap or, you know, bury them in the backyard. I mean, they're just mean about it, you know. And, and I think, wow, you know, I'm glad that uh, the same judgment doesn't come upon you every time you make a mistake. Right. Uh, because uh, what's the answer to how you should respond to to somebody's sins? I'd say go to the Lord and find out what the, what the master of the church wants to do. Don't you think he'd have, have an opinion? I yeah. think he'd probably got an opinion. Amen. Yeah. So I don't have a, well, you know, don't you, sh- you should always do this. Really? Wow. Then let's just get rid of the New Testament and just go back to the law. Amen. Because uh, the law prescribes, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So, you know, uh, but it, what about a finger? If you lose a finger, does that count? Is it eye for an eye? It doesn't say anything about fingers, right? I mean, how legalistic are you going to be? I mean, right, you know. Right. Uh, people love to be legalistic until, you know, you want to take it to the to the ultimate to the ultimate end. Right. And so. Uh, but uh, my my response in a situation like that is, Lord, what do you want to do? Uh, sometimes, you know, he'll say, well, you go confront and go talk to him about it. You know, sometimes he'll say, just let it ride. Well, you know, anytime that mercy is extended, the, the religious people hate mercy. Right. 
Oh, I want heads to roll. Really? You know, that's, uh, that's your first go-to, right? Shoot them. That's your first go-to is, is, is declare their sin publicly from the pulpit. That's your first thing, your first step, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah do it all. Well, okay, well, let's start with you. Right? Let's, uh, I've got a list of your sins. The Lord showed me all your sins. You know, let's start with your sins, right? And so, <laughs> well, I'm not talking about me. Well, that's true, you know, but uh, usually, when I, when, usually when folks come to me, they start talking about somebody else. I say, well, I'll, I'll, the only person I can talk to is about is you because you're the one here in front of me, right? If you want to get the other person, bring them here with you. We can have a discussion. But if you're here talking about me, talking to me, I can only talk to you about you. And, you know, I've noticed people don't always like talking about them, right? Well, what about you? Well, I didn't hear come talk, talk about me. Well, you know, and, I, and I'm just, I'm just, following the, the example the Lord gave to me, because I'd go to the Lord lots of times talking talk about my wife, you know, because she's a mess, right? You've met her, right? I mean, she's got so many things wrong with her, right? And I'm trying to help her out, going to the Lord and telling him all the things about her that he doesn't know, right? Well, you know, she's got this, you know, have you seen this thing? I mean, wow, you know, I mean, leave shoes in the middle of the walkway and everything. I mean, you know, just trip over them. And I mean, you know, Lord, you know, help her. Uh, and, and he's never once, he's never once hooked up with that about, to me ever. He always says, well, what about you? Uh, you know, he'll say, well, how did you respond to that? Mm. Well, I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about her. Uh, and so I learned from the Lord, you know, he, he never lets me talk about other people when I talk to him, unless I'm praying for them, of course. But uh, if I'm just, you know, complaining about them, mm. I've noticed he never hooks up with that about, uh, with me on that. And so, so you can know the will of God. So that, and, and that's really, that's going to be your first step. You've, uh, you've got to get to the point where you've got to say and declare with your own, I can know the will of God. Because uh, a lot of Christians would say, you just never know what God wants you to do. Well, then what are you going to do? If you never know what God wants you to do, then what would you do? I mean, there's nothing to do, right? You ever gotten a job and, and they said, well, just go work. Well, what do you want to do? Just stuff. Well, what stuff? Just anything. Well, that's it. What do you mean? Right? I mean, I think, didn't someone have a job like that? You, know, <laughs> you go just do stuff, right? And, and, and it's like, well, well, how do I know what to do? Well, you just, you'll just know. What do you mean you just know? What does it even mean? Uh, you ever had a job like that? A boss just, just give you no instructions, no training, and just assume that you just know how to do everything, right? Uh, well, that's the way some, some Christians kind of act like the Lord uh, will just, uh, you know, that somehow they'll just go and do things, and somehow it's magic, it's the will of God. But no, if you can be filled, see that word filled means to be crammed full with the knowledge of the will of God. So you should have a confidence that what I'm doing is the will of God. You know, I believe with all my heart that what I'm doing right now in the ministry is in this church, as the pastor of this church, is 100% the will of God. Uh, could I do anything differently? Well, maybe, you know, but I talk to the Lord a lot. You know, Lord, do you want me to do anything, change anything up, do anything differently, speak differently, or have a different, you know, whenever we get ready to, to uh, you know, finish a, 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 a series or something, I'll, Lord, what do you, you know, what do you want to teach the folks, you know? I mean, I don't care. What do you want them, what do you, what do you want them to, to know? Uh, and I always, I talked to him a lot about that. Uh, and I've had people say, well, you know, you teach us wrong things. Well, you don't have to take that up with the head of the church because I don't just go, you know, uh, in fact, years ago, I had a friend of mine say, well, how do you get your message? You got like a book. You just open up and just read messages out of somebody, some, somebody's book. I said, my pastor would, would be raised from the dead and come and, and, and break my kneecaps. If he, if he knew I was just buying a book of sermons and just preaching out of a book of sermons, right? No, I pray. Lord, what do you, you know, I mean, you're his people, right? Yeah. Uh, he's got a desire for what he thinks you should know. And to the best of my ability, that's what I do. And you're wrong. Well, you know, you have to take that up with the head of the church. Uh, so it doesn't bother me if they say you're wrong. Well, you've got to just send it. Lord, you know, they said you're wrong, Lord. Can you deal with that? <clears throat> and, of course, you know, 
Uh, but um, but it's always it's always the Pharisees. You know, you get a Pharisee or two running around. You know, and, and um, well, you're wrong. Well, you know, have to uh, please submit that in writing. You know, uh, and so, uh, but um, you know, you can know the will of God. Amen. Uh, and um, you can be filled with the knowledge of His will. Amen. And so, if you can be filled with the knowledge of His will, then you should be filled with the knowledge of His will. Amen. See, if you're just kind of running around through life and not knowing what to do, you know, I don't. You know, I just want to do what I want to do. Well, you're going to run into some problems with that attitude. And we're going to look at some of those things. But let's turn all the way back to the book of Genesis and see how the Lord operated with his people here. So in Genesis chapter 18. So for Genesis chapter 18, who are we going to talk about? Do we know? Probably Abraham, right? Uh, And so. So he said here, now this, this, there were some men, there were angels that came to Abraham, talked to him about Abraham and Sarah, you know, and, uh, and then it says in verse 17, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Uh, and so this, the context of the story, of course, is Sodom and Gomorrah, right? When he went to, to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But, he, but see, that, that, that had to do with Lot. You know, remember, Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah at this time. And so the Lord said, you know, uh, before I before I do something, I'm going to go tell uh, Abraham what I'm fixing to do. Shall I hide this from Abraham? I'm going to go tell Abraham what I'm fixing to do. So the Lord is very concerned that you know what he's fixing to do in things that relate to your life. Right now, if it's that guy over there, you know, that guy over there, you know, he may not tell you what's going to go on with somebody else's life. But if it's something dealing with uh, something related to your life, he said here that shall I hide this from him? Shall I go just go do it and not let him know what, what I'm doing? I'm going to go let him know. So that's, and, he, and he told Abraham, here's what I'm fixing to do. And then we know the rest of the story, Abraham started negotiating on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Well, you know, if there's 45, uh, would you not destroy it if you find 45 righteous? And the Lord said, yeah, okay. And it tells you something because the Lord said, I'm going to go destroy it. And then Abraham starts negotiating. And the Lord starts changing what he was planning on doing based upon the request of Abraham. So that tells you something else that, you know, sometimes the Lord gives you some information about the will of God, that this is going to happen. But that's not guaranteed it's going to happen uh, from now until eternity. It's just if nothing else changes, this is what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean you don't have, an, you don't have the potential to change it. That's not always the po- it's not always possible to change it, but it's always worth the shot to try to change it. Yeah. Amen. So here, here the Lord declared to Abraham that I'm going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham said, hey, you know, um, uh, if uh, he said, um, in fact, he said in verse 23, and Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's pretty, it's pretty stout uh, accusation to the Lord. Did the Lord zap him right there? The Lord didn't zap him, right? Uh, Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within his city without also destroying, not spare the place for 50 righteous. That be far from thee to do this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked, that uh, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? That's pretty stout words from Mr. Abraham, right? Uh, Don't you think you ought to do right, Lord? And not destroy the righteous with the wicked? Did the Lord get mad at him, open up the earth and swallow him? You know, the Lord's never upset at faith, right? Uh, Because it's it's not an unfair statement to say to the Lord, don't you think you, you ought not destroy the righteous with the wicked? Uh, that's not really an unfair thing to say. And the Lord said in verse 26, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the places for their sakes, right? For the, for the righteous 
uh, for the righteous sake there. And of course, we know the rest of the story. He goes on down, uh, in the st- keeps on negotiating, and he gets down to what, uh, 10 people, right? Starts at 50, goes down to 10, and, uh, and the Lord said, okay, for, for 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. Uh, but then, as he st- then he stopped. Well, did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He did, right? So, so what did the Lord not find in Sodom and Gomorrah? Ten righteous people, right? Now, the Lord called Lot righteous Lot later on. So there was one. We know one, but I'm not sure if Abraham really knew if Lot was still righteous or not. You know, so that's why he didn't go down to one. I, it, you know, that's my opinion, but I think that's, that, that's uh, uh, maybe why Abraham didn't go all down to one. But the, the whole point of this is that the Lord revealed to Abraham his will. And he allowed Abraham to shift his will, to change his will based on, on uh, Abraham's request. And so that's something, you ever had like a dream or just you're praying for somebody and you have this, this grave concern that something bad is going to happen to them? Well, that doesn't mean it's going to happen to them. That just means that if everything else stayed the same, it, it could happen to them or it will happen to them. But you, you may have an opportunity to change it. And so don't ever take the knowledge of, of, uh, in your prayer life of something related to somebody else or even your own life that, well, the Lord showed me, you know, I'm dying tomorrow. Remember, remember Isaiah came to uh, Hezekiah, and what did he say? Put your house in order. You're fixing to die. And what did Hezekiah do? Well, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, right? Blessed be the name. Is that what the Hezekiah did? No, he turned his face to the wall and cried and said, Lord, of course, he kind of bragged on himself a little bit, but the Lord had mercy on him after he prayed and said, Isaiah turned back around and said, I'll give you 15 more years. Told the king you got 15 more years because he prayed, amen? So sometimes the Lord fills you with the knowledge of his will of what, uh, what may happen left uh, to its own devices, right? Left to its own natural end uh, without your intervention. So, so that's an important part of the will of God, right? So the will of God can be changed, right? There are some aspects of the will of God that can't be changed, right? Uh, when is the Lord Jesus going to come back? Whenever the Father wants him to come back. What if you don't want him to come back? He's still coming back, right? What if you want him to come back tomorrow? He's coming back when he's coming back, right? Uh, you know, what if we write a book? He still may not come back when you write, just because you write a book, right? He's going to come back when he feels like coming back. So some things are left under the sovereignty of God. And you can't change that, right? And sometimes, uh, you know, just I know in my own life, there have been times that I've been praying for people, uh, and, and the Lord said, stop praying for them. Uh, and uh, and uh, because their end was, was near, and there's nothing I could do about it. And they ended up dying, right? And uh, uh, in fact... I guess it's uh, uh, over the years, there's been three people that the Lord has told me to stop praying for, and two of them have died, right? The third one, he, uh, I didn't sense that it was because they were going to die. It's because they were just in rebellion, didn't want to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And, you know, in the Old Testament, he said, leave Ephraim alone. He's joined himself to his idols. So there are times when, when the Lord will say, you know, the path they're on will remain unchanged until they decide to make a change, right? They may not die, but uh, their path will remain unchanged until... Uh, until they choose to make a change. Now, that's between them and the Lord. But I always tell the Lord, Lord, unless you tell me to stop praying for them, I'm going to continue to pray mercy for them. If they're in deepest, darkest sin, you know, and I know because we don't have to have a thus saith the Lord to know that if they're in deep, dark sin, it's not going to work out well for them. Uh, And so you'll know that uh, just because they're in sin, that things will not work out well for them. So you pray mercy for them, amen? Uh, Because you know, according to the word of God, that it will not end well for them if they continue in that path. But sometimes the Lord gives you additional, he gives you the, the supernatural knowledge 
of these things in your life and in the lives of those around you that left unchanged uh, that, uh, that this could be a problem, right? So I always take the approach from Abraham and the approach from Moses, and I go to the Lord. I try, if, I, if I know something that's bad is going to happen, I will try to change it. Uh, and um, uh, except for those two instances, I've never had the Lord tell me, uh, tell me no. Uh, and, or, or tell me to stop praying, right? Uh, now, if he says to stop praying, then yes, sir, I'll stop praying, right? You know, and, and, um, uh, but it's, it's pretty rare, amen? And so uh, the Lord desires for you to know his will. And so let's turn to, to Matthew 25 there. Uh, you know, you've got to know his will because, I mean, one aspect of it should be kind of obvious. What's he going to judge you on uh, of doing in this earth? Doing his will, right? He's going to judge you and ask you, did you do what I asked you to do, right? Did you do what I instructed you to do? Uh, and if you don't know what to do, then how can you be responsible for any of your actions, right? What are you going to be judged for if there's no statement of his will? Now, we know uh, the, the, the first aspect of the will of God is always the word of God, right? The word of God is laid down by the Lord, by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, through the spirit of God, as men of old were moved upon by the spirit, the Bible says, to write his word. And so the word of God is always his first take on the will of God. Amen. So you'll be judged because it's in the word of God. If he says walk in love, well, I don't want to walk in love. Well, you're still going to get judged to walk in love, right? Uh, well, I don't have to walk in love. doesn't matter. You're still going to get judged whether, you're not, whether you walked in love or not. Amen. Uh, and and uh, I mean, if you get stopped in, uh, in um, uh, some strange state that you're not part of and, and, and you know, you got a tire out of balance and they give you a, a ticket for tire being out of balance. Well, I didn't know that was a law. And what do they tell you? Ignorance of law is no excuse, right? It doesn't matter. It's a dumb law, right? It is a dumb law, but it doesn't matter. It's still a law. It's their law, right? I don't, I don't think any, any state's got laws for having tires out of balance. I don't think so. But probably California's working on one right now, you know, because they like laws like crazy, right? But, um, uh, but, you know, in the church, is the Lord going to say, oh, sorry, you know, uh, you didn't have access to the word of God all your life, and so you're not required to, to uh, answer to any of the word of God. Is he going to give you a buy on that? Uh, no, he's not going to give you a buy on that, right? So, uh, so the first aspect of the will of God is what does his word say? Amen. And, and a lot of people say, I don't care what the word says. Well, that's fine. I'm not going to drive with you, though, because, you know, lightning scatters, and, you know, it might zap me if I'm in your car, you know. And uh, There's not many Christians like that, but sometimes Christians, you know, will, will read the word of God, and it's clear and plain. I'm not doing that. Okay, fine, you know. Really, as humble servants of the Lord, our response, anytime we read the word, God should be, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. that that's the correct response, especially if it's in conflict with what you're currently doing. Lord, I'll stop doing that. Uh, and see, that's the correct, good, healthy response when you read the word of God and it's in conflict with what you're doing because it's, it's, a, it's a display of his, of his will. This is what I want you to do, right? Well, I can't live that way. Is that an excuse? No, I mean, if you say, Lord, your word says this, I can't do that. Is that an excuse? Is he going to say, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't give you enough spirit, enough power, enough for the name of Jesus, enough Bible, enough pastors, enough churches, uh, then, then you're, not, you're excused from doing my will. Is he going to do that? No. He's not going to do that, right? Uh, and so, so uh, let's just look at this uh, parable here, just, uh, just a little bit here. And we're not going to go through the whole parable, but this is the parable of the talents. We know... The, the general, the parable here, but the Lord had given some talents to some folks and left and came back and says in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. And so, and so he that had received 
five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents, or five talents more. He said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So the Lord uh, rewarded him for his faithfulness, right? What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is just doing what you're supposed to do, right? Faithful to do what you're supposed to do. I knew to do this, and I did that. That's what I did. I did the things that I knew to do. That's being faithful, right? Uh, you know, be at work at 8 o'clock. And, you know, if you work every day at 8 o'clock, then you're a faithful, you're a faithful employee, right? If you're there at uh, 9 o'clock, or sometimes you just don't show up, or, you know, the worst thing in the world is for a boss to just go to work and they just don't show up. Don't call, you know, nothing, right? Just don't show up. Uh, well, that's not a faithful, that's not a faithful employee, right? But a faithful, a faithful servant will, will know what to do and then execute that thing faithfully, right? In other words, just, just continually and, and without failure to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, and he said uh, in verse 22, he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. He, his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Again, was he faithful? What was he measured on? Faithfulness, right? What was his, what was his reward? I will make thee ruler over many things. What was the reward of the man with, with uh, five talents? I will make thee ruler of many things. Was, was there a bigger reward for the bigger talent uh, return? No, because there was the same level of faithfulness. So the, uh, it doesn't matter. It's not in the, the measurement of your results. It's in the measurement of your faithfulness. And, that, and so the Lord's going to reward you not for your results. He's going to reward you for your faithfulness. If you're called to return two talents to the Lord and the fellow beside you is called to do five talents and you both do what you're called to do, you will both receive the same reward, right? Uh, and so that's one aspect, one way to look at that. And it seems to be pretty fair that that's what the Lord's doing, right? Uh, and he said, uh, I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. <clears throat> then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathered uh, where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So he gave him the one talent back, right? And the Lord said, okay, no problem. Uh, enter into the joy of the Lord. Is that what the Lord said? No, that's not what he said, right? His Lord answers him, Thou wicked and slothful, or lazy servant. Thou, so, so what did the man accuse the Lord first of? Being hard. Is the Lord hard? What, what's, what did Jesus say about, about them, himself uh, in Matthew chapter 11, at the end of the chapter? My yoke is what? Easy, Easy and my burden is what? Light. Light. So if he gave the man with five talents... Then, then why did he give that man five and the other guy two? Because a man with five talents had the capacity, the ability, the intelligence, the, the gifts from the Lord to manage five talents. It wasn't above his means. It wasn't beyond his ability to do that. The man with two, that was his, that was his level of skill, his level of ability. Five talents, two talents. The Lord, the, you know, we're all different, amen? We all have different skills and abilities and different uh, things that we can do and you know, it's different drives, different, uh, just everything, right? The Lord makes us unique, and I think that's a good thing, amen? It'd be really boring if we were all exactly the same. Uh, and so, uh, so it's not about, well, you know, 
they have a, you know, a bigger ministry than I've got. Or, you know, they witness to a thousand people today and I only witness to two. But maybe they're a thousand talent person and you're a two talent person. Well, that makes me feel bad. It's not about, you know, not judging anybody. It's whatever the Lord assigns to you. I think he's well able to know where you're at in your life. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, the Lord is not a hard man. The man accused the Lord of a hard man because a lot of times people will push something on you to say, well, you know, you're just being hard. You mean showing up to work is hard? I mean, yeah. to making a phone call, that's hard. I'm being hard on you. Mm. Ask you for a phone call if you're not going to show up, you know. Um, and so, but see, what they'll do is, uh, and this, this, this is, I mean, this happens all the time, right? You know, as a pastor, you know, and, and just as a human being, I deal with a lot of people, amen? Uh, and, and many times people will use their emotions mm. to try to mask everything, hide everything. Yeah. Well, they'll get mad. Well, you're, you're just being hard. And they'll do that, not because they really think you're being, but they think if they, if they use their emotions, then you won't call them, you know, on the carpet or anything, right? Because this man tried the same deal with Jesus, right? Well, you're, you're hard. Was the Lord being hard? He only gave him one talent, right? I mean, he, he, was, he was a one-talent kind of guy. Uh, and and uh, you're hard, Lord, you're hard. You, you know, you shouldn't ask me for so much. It's a talent, right? It's one, right? The other guy had five times as much work as you did, and he seemed to do okay, right? Well, you know, I'm not him. Well, that's clearly true, right? Uh, and so, uh, and so he said, uh, but th- so his, uh, the man's measurement of the Lord was that he was hard and that, uh, you know, uh, he's kind of implying where you reap, where you haven't sown and gathered, where you have not strawed. Uh, you know, he's kind of implying that Lord, you know, uh, you're making us do all your hard work. Right. Uh, and that's not fair. Right. Uh, and I was afraid. Uh, and so, but what did the Lord say about him what's really true so he said that the lord was hard and that he was asking him too much and he was in fear but the lord said no really the real issue is you're wicked and, and lazy you know the man said jesus is hard and i was afraid jesus said no you're wicked and lazy so the truth is he was wicked and lazy right he tried to hide the deal that by saying other things right you ever had people say other things that aren't true to kind of hide the real truth right well i was just afraid no you're just lazy I mean, it's just lazy, right? I mean, just lazy is lazy, right? Just, you ever been lazy around lazy people? It's like, <sighs> you know, when I'm working, I'm just, you know, 100% of the time. I mean, just, you know, going, and people are just, you know, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, uh, just texting all the time, you know, whatever, just, you know, just lazy, right? Just lazy, you know. You don't get, you know, I'm mad at nobody, but just, you know, the Lord will tell you, you're lazy and wicked, right? Twisted. Wicked means to be twisted, right? Because he had a twisted thought of what the Lord was like. The Lord, you know, the Lord is kind. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, faithful people never have a problem with the Lord. You ever notice that? Faithful people love the Lord. Faithful people brag on the Lord, right? Faithful people are diligent to do what the Lord said. Lazy people always trying to get out of everything, right? Wicked, wicked and lazy people. Uh, always trying to get, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to excuse their actions, right? Now, now here, here's the kicker, though. We've got we to get down to the, to the whole point of this discussion here. He said, I was afraid. Uh, and the Lord said, no, you're wicked and slothful or lazy. Thou knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. So did, did, did the Lord tell him you knew what to do? You knew what to do. You knew that because that, that's his job. He's the investor, right? He invested in you. So now he, he's going to leave and come back and receive from his investment, right? He, that, and that's what he is, right? 
I mean, investors, they reap what they sowed not. You know, they give somebody some money and that person takes that money and they go do things with it, right? They're doing all the work and you sit back and collect the money. Well, that's not fair. That's what the Lord's doing right here. He's invested in you. He's invested in me, right? He's, he's he, I mean, uh, he's reaping the benefit, but it's not just him because he, he, he's going to bless these other guys, right? The other guys that did fine, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'll make you ruler over many things. So they reaped too. The Lord reaped, but the, the, but the, the workers did reap too, right? They, they're going to uh, get all these blessings from the Lord. And it's not about money. It's just about life, right? This is about helping the Lord and doing, doing the things. So the key is the Lord said, I, you, knew, you knew what to do. So was it an excuse? You know, did the guy's excuses work? Uh, and, you know, and I know we've talked a lot about this, but you know, over the years, stories like this, uh, there, there was a season in my life where the Lord started really working me over, just, just me personally, about living by excuse. I can't do that. That's too hard. Lord, you're asking too much. And who does that sound like? It sounds like the one talent man, right? And any time that you see anybody try to excuse their actions from the will of God, has anyone ever been successful? Has the Lord ever said, you know, you're right. You got a point. I'm hard. I ask too much of you. Just, we'll call it even, right? We'll just break, just no problem, just, just go on. Does the, Lord, does the Lord ever do that? And yet, how many excuses do we live with in our individual lives, in our own lives? Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm too tired. Lord, it's, it's too hard. It's too, too much work, right? And, and I mean, it's just, uh, uh, the Lord, for me personally, I just, I just, I can't live that way anymore. I can't ever live with just, Lord, it's too hard. <clears throat> you know, pastoring a church, you know, there's a lot of pastors burn out. It's too hard pastoring a church. And they'll quit. They'll quit being a pastor because it's too hard. It's not too hard. They think it's too hard, right? It's too hard because, you know, you get one out of 100 people that are just terribly mean and unkind, right? You got 99 people that are wonderful angels of God, right? Uh, you get one person just mean as a snake, you know? <clears throat> and I don't, I don't look forward to those, that one person, but they can be exhausting to deal with, right? Because they just consume all of your energy and they're, they're, they're all the time... You know, you know, it's amazing how many people, even in a small church, will come in, in the goal to destroy the church. They want to destroy this, this local church body, right? They'll come into a church with the design of they're going to destroy the church, right? And they're horrible, devil-filled people. Uh, and they will consume all of your energy in prayer and, and dealing with them. And, and, uh, and then they'll sweep up, and unfortunately, they'll sweep up four or five people in a church too with them. Sometimes 20 or 30 people in a church with them. And, and, uh, and it's a shame, right? But... But there's so many good people in a church that love the Lord, that want to hear the word of God, that love the spirit of God. Amen. Uh, and so I don't dwell on all the terrible people. Right. There have been terrible people uh, over the years, but uh, I love all the good people. Right. I love the terrible people, too. I just want them to go to church somewhere else. Right. <laughs> and so I really don't want them to go to church somewhere else. I'd rather just not go to church at all because they're just they're everywhere they go. They're just going to sow discord and unkindness. Right. Uh, and so. But see, the Lord said you knew. Right. And so we live in the New Testament, right? We don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. So who lives on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So you can never really say, I didn't know. Because what's his job? He's, his job is to lead you and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Isn't that the job of the Holy Spirit, right? To show you his will, to, to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So it's just the job of the Holy Spirit to show you. So, well, he didn't tell me. So he didn't do his job. I mean, is that going to be an excuse? You get to heaven with the Lord. Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit never told me nothing. Really? Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, can you 
rewind everything you tried to tell him. And it'll be, you know, encyclopedias worth of information he tried to tell us. And, and, and well, why didn't, why didn't they do that? Well, their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened over here. They couldn't hear me over here. I told them, but they couldn't hear me. And over here, I told them, but they rejected it. And over here, I told them, but, you know, they, they loved their life more than loved my life. And over here, I told them, and, and uh, they thought it was too much. And over here, they said it was, I was, you know, it was too hard. And over here, and, and I mean, that could spend, I mean, how long would that take to go over every single time, you know? It's going to be a long line in heaven, right? It's going to be, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, this is going to be the first time in heaven. Nobody wants to cut line, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, the point isn't, the point isn't to, to bear down on us and to beat us up. The point, see, for me, when I read this story, for me, it's like, okay, Lord, I will never live by excuse again. I would either, if I didn't do it, I'll own it. Lord, I did it, you know, no problem, you know. I'm not going to excuse it. I'm not going to say I was tired or hungry, you know, just, Lord, I did it. I'm just not going to live by excuse. Lord, you don't know what they did to me. Is that an excuse? Uh, uh, it's not an excuse. Well, Lord, they made him mad. Can anybody actually make you mad biblically? Nobody can actually make you mad. You can choose to get mad. But nobody can actually make you mad. Like, you don't have like a mad button, you know. As you push it, now you're mad. You couldn't help it, right? They pushed the button. I couldn't help it. I know we all got buttons sometimes, but we shouldn't have any buttons, right? There's no actual button that people can push to actually make you mad. You can choose to get mad. But see, we want to live by, well, they made me mad, Lord. Because we say that to say, Lord, so therefore excuse my actions and my actions are no longer my, my fault. It's their fault. So what are we doing? We're trying to remove the guilt, right, from our lives. Uh, and that's what this fellow did here. He tried to remove the guilt of being unfaithful by pushing it onto the Lord. Well, Lord, you're too hard. Lord, Lord it's not fair. You're just sitting around just, you know, investing and in, in receiving things that you didn't do anything about. It's not fair, Lord. Well, that's the deal, right? I mean, he didn't have to invest in you. He could have, you could have been a zero-talent guy, right? What can you do? Nothing. I got no talents. And there's just people like that, I'm sure, right? They can do nothing. Why? The Lord said, oh, that's not a good investment, right? I don't know if there's anybody actually like that. You know, I'm sure everybody's got some talent somewhere, right? Uh, but um, uh, the, I mean, this man barely made it across the line. He only had one. I, was like, I, I think I can do something with this fella. And, and he still tried to, tried to excuse his guilt by by wrapping an excuse, right? And the Lord told me one time, he said, every excuse, he said, an excuse is just a lie wrapped up in a pretty bow. Lord, you're hard. That's not true. That's a lie. And it's wrapped up in a bow of it's not my fault. But see, uh, see so for me, when, in reading these stories like this, it's just been burned in me. I'm just not going to live by excuse anymore. If the Lord says to do it, yes, sir, I'll do it. Now, I'm not, I, don't, I can't say I'm perfect in that, but, uh, but I, I just can't. I just, when I read the Word of God and, it's, and, it's, and it says something that I'm not doing, I can't ever say, well, I can't do that, Lord. Now, I'll always say, Lord, how are we going to do this better, right? Because I'm going to get him involved in it because he is involved in it. So, so uh, well, pe- people will try to say, I don't know the will of God. I could not know the will of God. And yet the Lord said to Abraham, I'm not going to hide things from him. And I can guarantee you the Lord's saying about your life, I'm not going to hide your life from you. I'm not going to hide what I want you to do and desires for, for you to do. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And then, then, then you have the opportunity to be faithful, right? But see, we should never say, Lord, you didn't tell me. I didn't know. I mean, that's not the example we see in the Word of God, right? Because how could He actually judge you fairly to say, you know, just here, uh, have a life. Well, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to tell you. And then you get to heaven. Did you do what I told you to do? Well, Lord, you didn't tell me what to do. Yeah, but you're still responsible for doing what I didn't tell you to do. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? 
How's he going to judge you for, for things that you're supposed to do if he never told you what to do? Of course, the first thing is always the word of God, right? Yeah. Did you do the word of God? You know, that's, that one's easy. But then there's lots of other things like, you know, and I'll tell you, uh, like when we got married, it was, uh, uh, we had been dating for what, 18, 20 years or something, it seemed like that, right? Uh, a few years, you know, and, um, uh, and, you know, to be honest, I was a lot slower than my wife was, you know, uh, she, she knew a good thing when she saw it, right? But I, you know, I wasn't quite as, I was a little slower than she was, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, I'm being facetious, right? So, um, but, you know, in prayer, uh, it was in like August of 1988, I was in, in prayer, just, you know, I had a good job, good friends doing good things there, you know, where I was living, and, but I just wasn't really happy, just not happy like, like spiritually happy, right? Just seemed like there was more that, than, I, you know, than, there was that, than there was around me, right? I was going to a good church, you know, and I mean, everything was fine. Uh, and, uh, but I wasn't happy. And so and just, Lord, just, there's just more there somewhere, right? And then he gave me a list of things to do. He, you know, told me to uh, go back to school. Uh, uh, one of the list of things he told me to do was to marry Chris, right? That was in August of 1988. I had to sell my car, had to uh, go to uh, apply to go back to school, uh, move back to where I'd gone to school, and go. And, and the last thing he said was, "You go back to the church that you were there uh, during college." He said, the, "The pastor there has things that you need to learn." Now, I assumed they were all wonderful, nice things. They weren't all wonderful, nice things. They were, many of them were wonderful, nice things, but they weren't all wonderful, nice things. He didn't tell me that though, right? And I, you know, I did fuss at him later on. You didn't tell me those were all... If you told me all the things I was supposed to learn and how difficult they were going to be to learn, you know, I might try to look for option B, right? Uh, but he didn't tell me that. And he's not required to tell you that, right? He's just required to tell you what he wants to tell you. And so he told me the list of things to do. And so that was in August of 1988. And so I had to go buy a ring, right? I had to apply to school. And so it took a while to get all that stuff worked out, right? You know, it takes things to, a while to work those things out. So that was August... So I had planned on, I went and bought a ring, you know, and uh, from uh, uh, wherever you buy rings from. And, and my plan was in February of 89, I was going to propose to Chris. So, uh, you know, she was living in a different city, so I was going to go up and see her. So, hey, I'm coming up, you know, on Saturday this, this weekend to see you. Uh, and um, um, let's go out on a picnic, you know. And so we went to, uh, anybody ever been to Rock Island over there, you know, uh, Middle Tennessee there? Just beautiful little place there. We went many times and enjoyed going there. Anyway, the whole thing had it all worked out, right? It had the ring and everything all worked out there. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I knew what to do. I had all, the Lord, and the Lord said to do that, right? He said, you go marry her. And okay, no problem, Lord. You know, we've been dating for a while. And so it wasn't like he just said, go marry that person over there. It was, you know, marry Chris. And uh, well, you know, she was praying that Friday before I, I went up to see her. And the Lord asked her a question. What, what did he ask you? Yeah, yeah. So he asked her if, if I was going to ask her to marry her, what should she say or what would she say? And she had the right answer. The right answer was absolutely yes. Is that what you said? That's not what you said. What'd you say? I don't know. You said, I don't know. <laughs> See, that's the wrong answer. She would ask me. I would have told her what the right answer was because she didn't ask me. So she said, I don't know. And so she said, well, what, sh what should be the right answer? Which is actually the right answer. Right. If he asks you a question, you know, sometimes it's good to say, well, what's the right answer? Because right? he said, you know, well, what would you do? Like, you know, you, you want A or B, and you're like, well, which one is it? Because right? you don't really know. I mean, you kind of hope it might be A, but 
what if it's B, right? So, you know, sometimes the right answer is asking the Lord, well, what do you want me to do? You know, that's a good, an- good answer, right? <clears throat> Again, she didn't have, if she'd asked me, I'd have told her what the right answer was. But, you know, but see, he told me that uh, months before, and I didn't tell her what I was going to do. I didn't say, hey, I'm coming up Saturday, I'm going to ask you to marry her, ma- marry her right? So, I, you know, I didn't, uh, it was going to be a surprise. And so, uh, but it's not a surprise to the Lord, you know, he blew the whole thing, right? Uh, and so, but, but see, he asked her a question. And lots of times the Lord will ask you questions, right? You ever had the Lord ask you questions? What are you going to do about this, right? Uh, and so, so in prayer, uh, she said, well, Lord, you know, what's the right answer? He said, well, of course, marry him. He's a wonderful guy, right? The best guy you'll ever, you ever, you know, the best guy, obviously, right? And so he told her the right answer, right? He told her the right thing to do so that when I, when I asked her to marry her the next day, she said yes, right? It wasn't a surprise. And so, but see, that, that's the right answer. Lord, what, what do you want me to do, right? Now, so, so the Lord told me to marry Chris. The Lord told Chris to marry me. So, I mean, we're stuck. That's it. I mean, we'll breathe our last breath together on this earth, right? Oh, I wouldn't say that, you know. Last breath, right? Uh, And we'll live a long life on this earth, amen? Uh, And uh, and glad to do it, amen? We've been married 32 years, right? Seems like, you know, 32 minutes. I mean, it's never been ever. I mean, 32 years, to me, just like a blink in the eye. I mean, it just seemed like yesterday we were at Rock Island getting engaged, right? Uh, And so... And the will of God is always full of joy and full of peace. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are things that we've got to deal with. So, uh, so the, really the, the, the issue for us as, as Christians, and so we got, I mean, we got a bunch more scripture to look at, but the issue for us as Christians, we talked about this, uh, I think maybe last week, really the, the greatest issue in our life is our desire to do the will of God. Uh, and, you know, Brother Hagin said something years ago that I thought was always helpful. He said, you know, if you go to a word church and they're teaching faith, you know, I believe we're a word church and I believe we teach faith. Uh, you know, as you have faith, you know, you, you've, got, uh, you've got the Spirit of God in you. You know, we teach you that you've got the Spirit of God in you. You've got the value of the Word of God in front of you. Uh, but, you know, sometimes things don't seem like they're just you're, you're as happy as you need to be or, or as fulfilled as you want to be in this life. Because I believe in the, in the will of God. If you're walking in a perfect will of God, that's the only place you'll be the most fulfilled fullest of joy, the happiest in your life is when you're in the perfect will of God. Yeah. See, I've been in the perfect will of God and people have been terribly unkind to me. Mm-hmm. But see, but if I'm in the will of God, I'm good. People can still be the meanest and most hateful to you, right? Uh, and, and my observation, my experience has been that the meanest and most hateful people are in churches. Mm-hmm. Now, the most wonderful and kindest people are also in churches. You know, I think that's true too. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you know, devils love to go to church, right? Uh, and they love to stir up stuff, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and it's unfortunate, right? Uh, you ever had a run-in with, with a mean person at church? I don't know many Christians who haven't, right? I'm hoping that nobody in here are that person, right? Oh, yeah, I'm the one who's doing it, right? Well, we, maybe we need to have a conversation after this. But, yeah. but the, the happiest you'll be is in the perfect will of God. You'll never be fully happy outside the perfect will of God because you're, you're designed to line up with His Spirit. You're designed to be lined up with the Spirit. Uh, and so, uh, so Brother Hagin said, you know, the, 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 the issue is not, well, I need more word, right? I mean, you get a lot of word around here, right? I think we teach the Bible a lot, you know. So it's not, you're not getting too little word, uh, and it's not due to a lack of the Spirit. He said it's due to a lack of being yielded to the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. 
In other words, yielding to his will. Lord, what do you want me to do? Because a lot of Christians say, I want to do what I want to do. Fine, don't be happy. Fine, don't ever be fulfilled. Uh, you know, your flesh will be happy, but you, you, you'll always have an emptiness on the inside of you. You'll never feel complete. You never feel like, man, I am doing, I'm right where the Lord wants me to be. Uh, you, uh, you'll always be running from the Lord, right? Uh, and, and, and it doesn't mean that what you're doing is illegal or unethical or fattening or anything. It just may mean that, you know, you're not in the perfect will of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so I always start with, Lord, you said you'd fill me with the real knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I, so I don't know what to do here. So according to, you know, if we go over to the book of James, of course, we know uh, that scripture there as well. And none of these things really are all that uh, new information, right? I mean, I'd say you've probably known many of these things here over time. But um, here in James chapter 1, he says, If any of you, in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let it ask of, of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, you know, wisdom is just, a, is just a declared knowledge of the will of God, right? What's the best thing to do, right? That would be wisdom. Well, the best thing to do would be be in the perfect will of God. So I, if I don't know what to do, I say, Lord, you said, number one, I could be filled with, with the real knowledge of your will. Number two, you said, if any of you lack wisdom, I'm ask of God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not, right? He doesn't like, upbraideth means, ah, ask me again. What in the world? You keep bothering me. Stop bothering me, right? You ever had kids, you know, you upbraid kids, you know, they keep asking you questions, right? And they, well, what about this? What about this? You know, what about, what about, what about you know, I mean, and, and so... Uh, what I found, being an engineer, I'd, I'd just go down to the nuclear level, atomic level of things, and, and then they, you know, I'd talk right over the head, and then it, that's, all the questions stop, right? And so it's a pretty good way to get kids to quit asking questions. Just answer it all the way to the, to the nth detail of, uh, in, at the, you know, nuclear forces. You know, you've got weak forces and strong forces, and, you know, and, and when you get into, you know, uh, things like that, they, they, their eyes kind of get crossed, and, and, then, and then they stop asking questions, right? But uh, the Lord doesn't act doesn't act that way right he doesn't upbraid us so you know so if you don't know what to do the best thing to do is lord i always say lord you'd fill me with the real knowledge of your will and i need wisdom to know what to do here i just tell him what the word says right not anything special just lord you and then i wait for that knowledge to fill me he said fill you with the knowledge of his will and and sometimes it's you know it's it's a, a word from the lord will do this but most of the time it's just okay i know what to do then i should do this right here i should do plan a and it is not a voice. It's not a not the, the skies don't part, and I don't get an email from heaven. It just I'm feel you know because I, I have to have faith that if I ask sincerely, Lord, I don't know what to do. Fill me with the knowledge of Your will. Then then if I ask sincerely, then I know that He'll do what what He said He would do. That He would fill me with the knowledge of His will. You ever just known what to do? Yeah, I know what to do about that. No problem. Uh, now see, people will always try to tell you, well, you need to do it this way. And, and, you know, I, I'm not a very confrontational person, but I'm not afraid of confrontation, you know. And a lot of times people say, well, don't, you know, don't be too mean on him. I'll do whatever I need to do, right? Uh, people try to dictate to you how you should do things, right? And, and you know, uh, uh, I, I teach over at college, and I've got a few students who are very, very immature, right? And I haven't really decided what to do about that yet. Um, the Lord knows what to do about it, right? And so when I get the knowledge of his will about how to respond and what to do about it, then I'll do up to that point, then I've got nothing to do, right? Because, you know, they say things that are just, I mean, over the top, you know, immature things to say. Uh, and that happens, right? Because they're over the top, immature people. Uh, and so, 
But my response should, should be waited upon the Lord. Lord, what do you, how do you want? And, and sometimes the answer is nothing. Just don't do anything about it. Okay, no problem, Lord. Well, they, you know, they need to... I don't dictate to the Lord how to respond. When you think that, that someone deserves a certain type of response, see, now you're telling the Lord his business. You don't tell the, I don't tell the Lord his business. If he wants to let it ride and, and just be like Nineveh and just you know, preach salvation to him instead of judgment and condemnation, then I'd preach salvation to him, right? So, so I always go to the Lord with, with Colossians 1.9 and James 1.5. Those are my two go-tos. And I don't know what to do. Colossians 1.9, James 1.5, I always go to that. And, and then, I, then I wait upon the Lord. I just wait until I'm filled with the knowledge, until I'm so sure, okay, I know exactly what to do. Now, have I ever missed it? I probably have missed it more than once, right? But that's my, that's my faith, and that's my confidence, and I'm sincere in that. I'm, I sincerely desire, and the Lord knows, right? He knows whether you're sincere or not. But I sincerely desire to know what the Lord wants to do in that case, and then that's what I'm going to execute. Nothing else. I'm not going to do my, I'm not going to add my flavor to it. I'm going to do what the Lord instructs me to do to the best of my ability uh, and be happy with that. What if it doesn't work out? Then I don't lose any sleep over it at all, right? I mean, I, I've done and gone talk to people and they get so mad uh, uh, and, and I don't lose any sleep over it. Don't you feel bad that, you, that they got mad at what you said? No, because, I, you know, to the best of my ability, I went with, what the Lord said that to go and and I and it's rare. In fact, I don't know that I've ever actually done it. Just be mean to people, you know. Just I've been very frank with people sometimes. Said, hey, here's what's going on. This this and they, this needs to change, and they'll just explode at you, right? You know, like <laughs> nothing I said was unreasonable, right? They just do the word of God, and they'll just explode at you. And then, you know, some people are like oh, I just feel bad that they got so mad, you know. I don't lose a wink of sleep, not even a wink, not even a half a wink. I mean, I've got two eyes, right? So I could do a half a wink, right? But not, never. If, my, if I'm sincere, again, now, if I missed it, I don't have the problem going back and repenting and say, hey, hey, what I said was out of, out of line there, you know? But if I believe what I'm doing is the will of God, to the best of my ability, right, to, uh, being filled with the knowledge of his will, then, then I've got to be good in that, amen? And, and one thing that I always like what, what Dr. Dufresne said, he said, always do the will of God. That sounds like an obvious statement. Always do the will of God. He said, and leave the consequences of following his will with him. You know, sometimes there are consequences to following his will. Some people will actually not be happy that you follow the will of God. You know, uh, I, I mean, I've gotten some flack because we moved our church from Cookville to, to Dayton before, you know. I can't believe you did that, you know. It's the will of God, you know. Uh, it's the will of God, you know. Uh, I got to do what the, will, what the will of God wants me to do, amen. Uh, and so... Uh, and so I think there's, you know, the, uh, there's some examples in the Old Testament I think would be helpful about the will of God that, that uh, we can look at because they found the will of God in the Old Testament too. And the, the Lord left us some examples that I think would be helpful about that. So, so there's a few, a few more areas I want to go to about the will of God. Well, well my desire to, to develop in you all, uh, in all of us really, is to have such a strong desire to do His will more than anything else more than people, cars, careers, houses, families, locations, finances, whatever it is, if I could develop the desire to do His will more than anything else, see, I can guarantee, I mean, I put money on it, I put everything I own on it, that you'll be happy and you'll be protected and well taken care of and prosperous and healthy all the days of your life. Uh, if you're in a perfect will of God, you get the perfect blessings of, of heaven, amen? Every time the, the nation of Israel was in a perfect will of God, could any nation defeat them? 
when they left Egypt, the Bible says there was not one feeble among them. A million people left Egypt, not one feeble among them. You throw a rock in, in, in uh, Walmart, you know, and you'll hit 87 uh, you know, sick people, right? I mean, just, you know, you get any group of people, there's going to be pe- sick people in there, right? But you had an entire nation leave Egypt, not one people among them. Not one. Amen? Amen. No, and I'm not mad at anybody at Walmart. I just picked a Walmart out of the area. You get any group of people and throw a rock, you're going to hit somebody who's not well, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, not, don't be throwing rocks at people. Pastor, you can throw rocks at sick people, you know? Not, no, I didn't say that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but anytime the, the nation of Israel was in the perfect will of God, no sickness, no defeat, no lack of, of anything, right? Miracle prosperity, miracle manna showing up on the doorstep, miracles, right? All the, every time they were in the will of God. Only when they're outside the will did anything bad ever happen to Israel, which should tell you something, right? Uh, and so, uh, so we'll look at a couple more things in this area, but I, but I think uh, uh, hopefully this will help us, right? to inspire us to desire to do the will of God, whatever the cost. Fullness of joy and happiness is on the backside of obedience of the Lord. Amen. Uh, And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the knowledge of your will. You said, Lord, in your word that we can be filled with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you said also, Father, if any of us lack wisdom, then I'm asking of you, Father, who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. And, Father, you'll give us exactly what we ask for. And so, Lord, we desire to follow your will. And also, Father, to instruct us and show us any area of our lives where we are not living in your perfect will, Father, then, then we will change accordingly as you instruct us, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. So, Colossians 1.9, James 1.5, two good go-to scriptures to know the will of God. Amen promises that he said he would do these things and so we can go to him with the promise and say lord you're you said in your word and so my faith is that you'll do exactly what your word says amen all right praise god well let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings let's wave at the walker out there hello buddy how you doing out there you know they can't see us in here right uh, and um not during the day anyway at nighttime we we close the blinds there but uh, during the day they can't see us and so come in mr jared and there's a school right over here about a block away so the kids come by you know, every day at three o'clock. And so they see the mirror windows and they're all primping, you know, and, and it's always funny because, you know, you just sit there and watch them. And every now and then you'll go up to the window and kind of bang on it, you know, like, what, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, but people love the windows there, right? So what's that? <laughs> so, uh, but um, anyway, so the Lord is good. So don't forget... Uh, of course, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. We'll be back here at that point in time. And then Friday is our prayer service. Uh, and then next Sunday is our church meal and uh, church business meeting. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so uh, have a wonderful weekend, Lord. Be blessed.